to Oh Brother, a podcast of three brothers trying to figure it all out with your hosts, Brandon, Colin, and Aaron. On this week's show, you mean Van Gone? on this podcast exactly i wasn't talking to you oh hello hello what an what an open how's it going (laughs) and go yeah let's see here apparently what's up apparently my my downstairs uh, uh uh clocks on my kitchen devices are slow so, oh yes! Oh, how exciting! Uh, yes. <laughs> what a fun, what a fun thing you learned today by about <laughs> two and a half minutes. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all right. Woo-hoo. So, that are exciting stuff. Mm. Well, yeah, same. I don't really have any exciting stuff happening because you know, sitting at home. Sitting at home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I so this week was uh my first week doing that. Uh not staying home. Uh, I had to I had to work. Um so I was still working from home. I went in for half a day in the morning on Thursday. Um and it was kind of weird being back in. Nobody else was in there except the uh administrative assistant up at front and I was like, "Hey, <laughs> long time no see. Okay, bye." Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, it's been it was it was interesting. It was it was good though. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it being home and working and whatever. So yeah. it was fun. I didn't do too much working from home this week because we sent uh last week, I think I said we went in on a, a day and <clears throat> and made physical packages and stuff to send to kids. Yeah. Right. So oh. I didn't really do any online stuff this week because I had things but i'm getting some stuff ready to send out to share out next week like oh hey here's this hey here's this you know that kind of thing Uh, how does um how does the recent announcements about the closure for the rest of the year affect you guys or were you already doing them well uh we weren't doing we weren't closed for the year yet we were going to be close to the end of april basically is what the school had decided on. Uh, and so now, I guess, we're just going to keep doing this until the school year, quote, is over, right? Continue with online stuff yeah. until, you know, X day, <clears throat> whenever you, the school year would have been over anyway, I guess. Have you gotten any guidance about um, <laughs> summer school? Uh, nope. No, Okay. <clears throat> And I didn't get that's one of the questions that we're get, that. Well, first of all, uh, <clears throat> that is a, a question mark because we don't know uh, because um, good old Mikey made this announcement after all the administration had gone home on Thursday. Mm-hmm. Right. So 
they basically had to go back to school and get stuff to put out on the student portal, the phone call system, the social media stuff to be like, uh, what? Jeez. Um, because fun fact that all the beginning part of that week, Desi and Misha, uh, listeners, Desi and Misha, the Desi is the like department of elementary and secondary education. And Misha, I don't know what Misha actually stands for, but it's the Missouri like athletic slash extracurricular activity body, right? They're the ones that make the rules for all the stuff that you do. Basically all week they were talking about their plans for what happens when we come back to school for the truncated school year, mm-hmm. right? So as early as Thursday morning, Misha had tweeted a bunch of stuff about their plans for things like sports, things like state FBLA or choir, like what their contingency was for that stuff. And then at the three o'clock press conference thing, good old governor Parsons made the announcement. So really cool that nobody in the government government of Missouri is speaking to each other at all. That's really handy. I really love that part of this, that they can't pull their head out of their own pockets uh, here and figure out what in the world's going on. They're not discussing anything with each other at all, apparently. Uh, Nobody has any idea what's happening, let alone any government leaders. Uh, They're just making it up as they go along with no plans whatsoever. All the while, Mike Parsons is accusing everybody of like talking trash about like oh blah 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 and then like talking about elections like what you can can, we're doing other more important things right now can you stop (laughs) can you just not do that maybe that would be great you could maybe stop all that nonsense well i see Uh, so yeah to be determined what in the world all that stuff means because nobody actually knows yet i don't yeah No, I, I, I think I think their last time we talked, uh, they had come out and announced the two week. Did I tell you guys about that? That when they when they said no, we're going on a two week lockdown, stay at home or statewide, and three week. Yeah, yeah, three week. Yeah, and yeah. uh, they hadn't even announced that to like other state agencies or anything. Yeah, <laughs> and it came out at five, and yeah, <laughs> that day and it was like uh their timing is actually the worst. <laughs> well, see, right. this is the way this is the way I think it is. So, if you have a two coordinated attack, the Rona will be able to counter you. So, Maybe. if you come at it with a scatter shot, no plan, mayhem, there, there's no strategy on the back end, right? And so you catch it off guard and you win the battle. But what? So. So let me get this straight. You are saying that what Alexander the Great should have done is just thrown his chariots willy-nilly at the battle at the Persians. And that would have been a better key to victory than a strategic coordinated assault. Is that what you're is that what you're saying here? I'm saying all we know is that he it wasn't as decisive as it could have been. Aaron, Aaron, back me up here. No, um, I think, uh, <laughs> no. See, there were 
some things in that yeah. battle that if, if no you, may, you know, maybe if you, you know, again, just the mayhem approach just catches you off guard, catches your opponent again. off guard and, and allows you to just, you know, like a crazed person running through the streets with a My Little Pony, you know, tutu on. That's, Who's going to no. fight that? Who's going to fight that? That's not how this works. This is, this is good old Mikey's approach. My Little Pony tutu to the Ronas. Yeah. <laughs> no. I don't know. Or not. Or not. Can we, again, I know I said this a couple weeks ago, but we need to stop playing our little games, our little pretend games, about all the nonsense, and maybe do something. That might be nice. Try that. My my goal. Then we could be held accountable if we actually do something. Again, and if you think I'm uh, only directing this at the governor, no, 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 no. This is I'm I'm speaking to the entire governing system of Missouri, not not just one individual. Right. Okay, I need that to be clear. At least people think that I'm like dogging down on like one person on the figurehead no 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 no. no. this is a message for everybody damn it (laughs) (laughs) oh well brandon's playing schools out for the summer in the background so aaron what are you up to Well, I'm bummed, man. I like my kids, man. I don't want to be. Oh, home. I know. I know. <laughs> I know. Uh, you, you guys are you know, talking about Missouri. So the, the state of Oklahoma, um, you know, kind of what Brandon was talking to that no one's really talking with each other in any of our departments because, you know, I, I got like five emails in two days like, hey, we're gonna have a meeting. Oh, hey, JK, we're not going to have a meeting. This was discussed. Oh, hey, that same meeting we were going to have that we didn't have, we're going to end up having again about this one thing. And then like, oh, hey, JK, we're not having that meeting entirely. To then being notified uh, Thursday afternoon or Friday saying, oh, hey, we're actually going to do this. And it's like, this has been in the works for two weeks and no one's been really talking to anybody. So cool. That's helpful. Um, (laughs) Found out that the state, uh, for DHS wise is, you know, we still have to do investigations. We still have to, you know, ensure child safety. So they came up yeah. with what's called a SWAT system where to limit the interaction um, between people, they're only having like a certain number of people go out and do investigations and then have yeah. them, you know, just give them the notes or give other people the notes and just do the typing. And so that's that's the original thought process of, hey, you know, let's just have like one or two or three really good workers just go oh, do the do the field yeah, work, the field work and then have like. Oh, OK, stuff. and so that's that was the initial plan. However, what that plan is kind of in, like evolved into was they're going to have a worker go out and they're basically going to put you on speakerphone so you can listen to it and you're the one that types it up like live yeah basically sort of oh or at least take notes on it and i was like yeah so they can ask you questions or you can ask them questions while you're there and i'm like that just sounds i mean that's a little convoluted yeah, that's, that's a little that's... bit so <laughs> and I, I, we're gonna get more details as of monday but 
they told us that we're going to be doing this. And then I had an investigation Friday. It's like, couldn't just wait like two more days, but ah, that's cool. <laughs> Cause I didn't originally <laughs> sign up for it. Uh, so for all of Osage County, which is the largest County in Oklahoma. And then all of Pawnee County, we were only going to have three field workers and then just everyone else just basically stays at home and does the typing essentially, which is fine. I don't mind doing that. I just kind of hated, you know, getting that call of like, Oh, Hey, you have to drive to uh, Ponca city, which for me is like two hours away or something. It's like, Oh, come on. And so I I was kind of dreading that. So they kind of made it a little bit easier to kind of make it to where only like a few people do stuff like that. It is more streamlined, right? Yeah. But at at the same time, it's very kind of dumb with um, like just only having like like three people go out and just having like, hey, we're going to put you on speakerphone real quick. Why don't you... Um, just listen to the conversation. It's like, well, that seems a little bit as an unnecessary step, but yeah, I feel like just getting the notes would would probably be bad. Yeah, and I and I but... kind of think that's kind of what some of the other workers were stating. Like, hey, I'm just gonna like take a picture of the notes and just send them to you. And I was like, yeah, that's mm-hmm. fine. I can do that. So so that way, I don't have to sit there and listen to some other person. Well, and like not here. Yeah, be right. like, I just I just did a a phone meeting friday right and that was like a like a conference call about like an iep meeting over the phone basically yeah and it was kind of hard to be like what what i can't what i can't hear you because you know some people are not talking right it's just a mess yeah so i can't (laughs) uh but i mean other than that that's all i've been having to really deal with i mean i've mostly just been typing i have my little routine where i sit on my couch and get one case at a time and just type and just kind of let things roll. I haven't really been to the office except for like once or twice, but I have to have special permission to be able just to go into the office. Um, yeah. So do we, yeah. we have to ask the, the building principal, but well, or just like, let them know, Hey, I'm coming in here for, you know, just a minute. They don't want you in the hanging yeah. out. Right. But like, come in if you got to get some paperwork or get some materials or whatever sorted out then yeah so i think it's also be a little bit more stress reducing to be like am i gonna gonna get a case today what is that gonna look like do i just drive my own car and so now they're actually having to know but still like for for those two counties connected well we have three field workers which is like not really a lot, but these three are probably like one of the best in the state. So I'm like, eh, it kind of bounces out. But still, there are there are three for the entire Osage and Pawnee counties, which is which are massive. So, well, that's true. I mean, they're massive square mileage wise. Yeah, but but population like population wise, density, not so density, not not for, so much. Yeah. So that that helps out. I think that's the reason why there's not as many. Yeah. Uh, because you're right, I did look at a map of Oklahoma the other day because I needed some reference points to these words that you keep saying at me. Uh, and so <laughs> uh, I did notice like, oh, my gosh, that is a huge area. Yeah. Like, wow. I knew that some of the counties in Oklahoma were enormous. Mm-hmm. Right. 
but I looked at some of those ones. I was like, oh, wow. So whenever the, <laughs> why, why is it so big? So whenever the Osage <laughs> nation, the, the, the tribe came down from Kansas, they bought like a huge, like they, they talked to the Cherokees who basically owned like, like almost all of Oklahoma at that yeah. time. And they're like, Hey, are you guys using this? And they're like, no. So they basically just bought that huge chunk of land for super cheap. And they're like, well, this is ours now. And people were just like, mm, okay. And they just not like it, it hasn't changed since, you know, the, the Osage nation has basically moved in since the oh, 18 something. Yeah. And so, yeah, o- Osage County is square mileage wise, the largest, but we're, what we're also some of like the most ruralist populations. And yeah, mm-hmm. and that, that Again, was, who- that was kind of one of the main things that I had difficulty understanding going through training is that all these trainers came from like the big cities, Tulsa, Oklahoma city, um, like the bigger density things. I'm like, you guys not realize I just have like, that's it. That's the two. In like, oh yeah. Well, I mean, it, Stillwater on homecoming becomes the third largest city in Oklahoma, by the way. Well, that's fair. Um, but... but they just had, you know, some, it's like, I, I, I get like, I don't deal with as many, well, I, I deal with a lot of people, but you know, I, you know, some of these towns, I don't have a gas station. You kind of have to, you know, you don't want to awkwardly ask these people to use the restroom. So you kind of have to. True. Yeah. So, <laughs> but, oh, and by the way, for the record, um, I remember kind of one of our first podcasts, we talked about, uh, you know, the really beautiful scenery. Um, There are, in fact, waterfalls in. You found one. Yes. Uh, so hey. Shelby and myself took a trip to Osage Hills today. Um, which is a state park, and there is some water follies there at uh, Lake Lookout and through whatever river that is. Um, but yes, there are some waterfall formations. Not oh, like Shel- Shelby river. found them. Good, good job, job, Shelby. Yes, way to go, Shelby. They say good job. Um, <laughs> through the you know you know they're they're not like the grandeur like oh this is a twenty foot they're like well. Still, a five foot to less, but there are waterfalls. So, mm-hmm. water falling, nailed yes. it. So we, we, <laughs> there are some waterfall sightings. All right. And, so, and one great philosopher once said, "Don't go chasing waterfalls." I, yes, I believe there was three great philosophers that said that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, something, something yes, something like that. You know, in, something in about harmony. the the rivers and the streams. I, you know, it's uh, you have to stick to the rivers and lakes that you're used yes. to. Yes. So and, you know, Aristotle, you, you know those great people so okay. I, I listen to that and just really take that to heart good advice yes. sage mm-hmm. advice for the sage ages for the, yeah. <laughs> <You're right>. <laughs> <laughs> um but that's kind of really about it Th- i thankfully fortunately i've only had to go on one real quote-unquote far investigation but that was that was still literally like an hour away just to get there and so it's mo- it's mostly just the driving that kind of is uh, do i have to leave my own place today and you know some- that's that's pretty crazy for reference anybody listening to this uh if i drive an hour from my house i can get across three counties in missouri so that's where <laughs> that's that's the kind of space we're dealing with here yeah so it's <laughs> And it's so even in, so all in Osage County, 
There is the Frank Phillips Woolrock um, Live History Museum, which is you know several hundred acres. There's we also have the um, U.S. government um, wild horse sanctuary and ranch out there. You also have the Pioneer Woman um, Ranch, which is also several hundred acres. Oh, oh the Drummond Ranch. That's right. Um, that's okay. also several hundred to a thousand. You also had just have, you know, other things. You have the Osage Territory, which is thousands of acres. Um, it's a it's a huge chunk, and yeah. pretty much just to get across it, you know, the you know at one tail end you have. Uh, Ponca City, but like right on the outskirts, you have Bartlesville. So if you need to look at a map, that's like the best kind of distance uh, from the Kansas border all the way down to Tulsa, basically. Um, that's that's kind of the space that we're talking about here. I work there. Now with waterfalls. Now with so. waterfalls. <laughs> now, if you're, if now you're, including if you're bored, waterfalls. If you're quarantine in <laughs> destination to vacation uh, uh, for a day trip. Osage Google County. Map. Google Map Osage County. Osage County. S- scroll around. See if you can find the waterfall. There. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you, you say it's okay to get outside, but the number of people that I have seen, like, shaming others for even deigning to walk outside or walk around the park has been <coughs> immense where we live really it's, yeah it is so bad there there's one lady who lives right next to the park like it's like her her doorstep road and then the pond where everybody goes fishing uh, at and got it. she's like posting i can't believe all these people out there are fishing and walking outside don't they know it's a stay-at-home order and you're like yes but i think (laughs) well missouri's stay-at-home order is not super no it's not it's a little vague but like that's not still go outside yeah that's what i I don't but you know sure that's i mean (laughs) i walk the dog chef's gotta go outside you know see <laughs> yeah like, it's just like mm, to the front yard on the so road a little bit I, I i keep waiting for us to be on the facebook or next door post of family scene walking outside with young children during a pandemic go hoodlums like sweet yep <laughs> hey that's it <laughs> well, we, yeah. we, 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 look at me we went to uh-huh. walmart earlier today and they had limited like they had lines on both entrances entrances and they had spaces separated five or six feet apart uh-huh. and they were counting and limiting you know it's kind of like a you know fancy nightclub or something they're like all right i got two people on this side or we got room capacity yeah. all right two more in okay so that's that means it's similar to missouri missouri did the same thing uh i get walmart's everywhere doing this now but it's like it's based on the percent of your buildings maximum maximum occupancy yeah so they had right? they had a maximum limit of like 257 i don't know what whatever well, that, normally... that was that was the thing on the sign of so like we're yeah. only allowing x amount in yeah and so but yeah we we sat out we stood in line for a little bit to get some get some stuff and there was a guy with little 
uh, clipboard uh, or a little iPad thingy, and he had his little you know, walkie-talkie, and he's like, all right, I got three people left on this side. Three more people get to go in. I'm like, oh, cool, okay. Pretty cool. And so ours, our, we just been doing the grocery pickup. Yeah. Thing. Again, again, I was incorrect because I thought, hey, this would be a great opportunity for you to expand your grocery pickup market to let you know less people inside the store, limit contact with staff, all that stuff. Because basically, you don't have to do anything, right? Right. You could modify the coming in contact with them because you got to put your little number in the little thing they give you, but you could make that, you know, further apart too. No, no, they have not done that. Uh, I thought maybe they would do that, but no. <laughs> Why would they do that? I don't know. Because well, because it makes sense. Because I was kind of thinking, it's like, well, they could kind of do a, a system where they have people that come to. You know, you either order online or you call in since there's a lot of you know elderly people that don't have probably the best access to <laughs> yeah, interwebs. But there's also with a lot of that pickup, with as busy as some of these places are, they're like they only have a registered days and they're like, All right, hey, you can only on this day, these certain people like they have schedules online that you know, if they get filled up and it's like, Well, you can't pick up oh no yeah yeah walmart you have to you have to schedule your pickup window right i'm going to be here at x time to come in and do that but i thought that maybe they would put more in like manpower on oh, beef it up that part ah, yeah. yeah okay like so they would have more people responsible for picking up like just doing the going and picking the groceries and then delivering them to the cars yeah instead of just keeping the same three people and not changing it at all. Yeah. Which, okay. Cool. I guess. Uh, <laughs> um, that's a thing you could do. I mean, I I did see a lot more employees there, and there was a lot of the, you know, um, online or the you know pickup stuff. But there, but there was a lot of people that were kind of doing directional and um, stocking and just keeping things like that. But yeah. Uh, I mean, we, we saw a pretty good amount, but again, like we, there was only maybe less than 200 people in the store when we were there. So, yeah. So, I, it, I mean, we saw a lot of people wearing masks. We, like, we saw a lot of people not wearing masks. Um, we, we, we were able to keep our distance from people. Um, I mean, I don't like people in general, so it's kind of easier for me. True. But, uh, it, it, it's still very kind of, because you don't, you know, think that like, you know, countries that still that have been dealing with things either for much longer or, you know, kind of scenarios where this is a common thing. You don't really think about that aspect uh-huh. of like, oh, well, this is actually kind of like a, a normal thing. But for us, it's like, oh, this is this is weird. So it, it was kind of that that it was a very fascinating thing to kind of witness. Be like, oh, this is something I never expected. OK. So it, it, it's it's unique, but it, at the same time, it is kind of that hint of terrifying. Of well, is this you know kind of how it's going to be for a long time? Is this going to change or or what? Yeah, um, I'll tell I'll tell you what really hit us. So we we tried the um, the pickup at the at the Walmart 
Um, and what really hit me is we were sitting there waiting for the, to come to our car, which is a, a whole nother debacle, but um, just watching the number of people go in with the masks and the gloves, like it just psychologically that, that flipped a switch of like, cause before I hadn't seen that of that many people of like everybody yeah. was doing it, but to sit near in your car and just watch people getting in and out with face masks and gloves and, you know, just have spread apart. Everyone was all of a sudden I was like, Ooh, like this is, okay, this is different. Like something like it, it really was a change and a switch for me, at least there, to see that. There was a moment today when we were at Osage Hills where this dad got out of the car with his son and his son had a mask on, but his son looked to be like 10 or 11. And that's kind of when I was like, oh, this is, this is something like, Granted, you know, that same kind of mentality of you know, rural-ish Oklahoma, you know, and it ain't going to happen out here. But it's like, eh, we had a reported case, and I think someone was reported that actually passed away in Washington County from it. And so that's that's a very another thing. Okay. It's like, oh, well, it's actually more at home than I realized. So I think just seeing that today of just a young kid wearing this this mask, it's like, oh, this is actually you know a thing yeah that, that kind of hit more at home to me than i anticipated yeah we had our second reported case this last week yeah i think i don't the days are hard to keep straight again with no actual schedule in my life but i think it was it was either the very beginning of this week or the very end of last week i want to say it was the beginning of this week uh or on Tuesday, perhaps. I think we had we had our second case, and this person apparently went literally everywhere in all of Barry County um, because oh no, the, the health department thing was like they went here, 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 here. Like what? You went to every store what? in Barry. What is really doing? So I don't really know what was going on there, but no. they are watching them and they've contacted everybody and all this stuff. So. Uh, we'll see what happens because of that person is an idiot and decided to live the meme and go world traveling around Barry County. Because I mean, you can do federally, you can actually get in trouble for that, right? Is that a thing? Yes. That'd... Yes. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, I haven't heard anything else. I haven't heard any follow up or anything. So. Ah, uh, okay. The interest. Again, I only check the news every couple days. Yeah. Just from my sanity, right? Like, <laughs> because people are ridiculous, and I can't even deal. But I just, we just stay inside and yeah. you know, do nothing, watch weird things on TV, and <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I still, I still watch my my YouTube videos, or I've been watching a lot of Vice videos. I don't know exactly if that's necessarily a good thing, but I watched. I watched a couple of those too, actually. I watched some this videos recently of like Snake Island. And then this guy went. I saw that one. I didn't watch it. That was recommended. Caribou hunting in Alaska with one of the um, Native American tribes up there, and I was like, "Oh!" And so that's what I've, you know, what we've kind of been. Uh, I watched a couple of those, um, the Dark Side of the Ring documentaries that they do. Holy cow! What is that? So it's like, uh. It's about wrestling stuff, oh, yeah. but it's like the dark. It's uh, it's like the this these really 
weird stuff. One of them was the Chris Benoit story. That's the first one I watched. Um, if you're not familiar with Chris Benoit, he was a very uh, prominent wrestler in the 90s and the early 2000s. Uh, he ended up double murder suicide, committing double yeah. murder suicide with his okay. wife and his young son. Uh, turns out he was suffering like severe brain trauma, like CTE oh, from gosh. all his years of wrestling and stuff. And he had uh, kind of had a breakdown oh, no. and that. So uh, it's like the saddest thing in the world. Uh, basically, they don't talk about him anymore, which is also kind of sad because you would think that they would want to address that issue. But they also are distancing themselves from that. But that's the whole oh. thing. But, you know, that means they also distance themselves from the surviving family members, which is bad. Uh, yeah. So. <laughs> I watched that one. I watched a couple of other ones. One of them was like about just like a dumb thing they did and how bad it turned out. So it wasn't <laughs> nearly as bad as that. Uh, that's the most serious one I watched. Yeah. Cause it, cause yeah, I was just the, the one I watched with this guy was, you know, uh, caribou hunting, um, in Alaska with, I can't remember what the tribe's name is, but he's like, you know, the, all these people that, you know, live in the, like, the farthest reaches of Alaska, who, that has been their way of life for thousands of years, and this, like, really nerdy person was like, hey, I'm the one that's gonna be, you know, doing this, and never actually really been, you know, outside, outside before, so here I am. It's like, this is <laughs> oh, so fascinating. This is gonna go well. Yeah. It's gonna go go something. But it was, it was neat, so I've, you know, we've watched that, you know, we're continuing with our Star Wars marathon. Um, oh, nice! You know, lots of, lots of, you know, gaming, lots of reading, um, that kind of stuff. So that's you know, you know, we we try to go on a walk at least every night. Um, you know, there's some parks that are around here which are kind of not necessarily isolated, even though they're kind of in the smack dab middle of town, but not that many people go there, so it's kind of nice. Yeah. But we, you know, we usually get to at least go out and. Because if I'm spending all day typing, I'm just like, eh, I need to see the sun. <laughs> eh. Like a human interaction. Oh, wait, I don't like humans. Uh-huh. Away. Never mind. Let us see I, a person. There's one. Thinking? Okay, I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay, bye. Oh, wow, there's other True. humans. Okay, I'm done. Uh, hey, hey, hey. Uh, you've made it this far into the show, so congratulations. Um... I wanted to break in here and let you know that if you like the show or you enjoy it uh, uh, at any point <laughs> in time, uh, welcome to the club. We would really appreciate it if you could check us out on Twitter or Instagram. We are at O Brother Podcast in both of those places. But after you are done with that, go and rate us and review us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. That really helps us out, and we couldn't appreciate it more. So I uh, guess we'll finish with this music break and uh, jump back in. Okay, that's it. I finished that Carnival Row show. Yeah. Finally on Amazon. Dang. Okay. That's good. Okay. You got me fine. Got me. That's pretty good. <clears throat> Takes a big swerve there. And then the ending of the season's like, uh, okay. <laughs> Definitely more of this. It was good.
because it definitely like finally pay off some of this because again they had that problem of every once in a while they cut to some other people and you're like i don't care about you (laughs) (laughs) but they like had to slowly slowly build it up over the eight episodes and then i started watching that new tales from the loop or whatever that show is so stinking depressing that i was like yeah okay well no i'm gonna (laughs) i'll watch this in small doses so it's like it's it's this weird setting of like uh it's it's supposed to be like small town ohio right but if small town ohio was built on top of a some sort of like science fiction version of cern oh and the hadron collider right Right. so the loop is like some sort of hadron collider underground but there's also like other weird things down there and it's like kind of nobody really they don't you know it's like underground science activity that's all you get from the first couple episodes right is it's down there and there's a clear division of people that work down there and everyone else kind of Uh, right societally because there's like oh you're either smart enough to get into science and go down to the loop or you're gonna you know work at the quarry or the gas station you know you know what i mean uh so it's it's unconventional in that it doesn't necessarily follow a person kind of like the town is the character so the first two episodes are about different people like all together right so like they're you're they're related kind of in that the first one's kind of like about the the mom and then the second one is about like the son and his friend right following them so it's uh it's kind of weird it's gorgeous and right but like it's just the second episode was such a downer i was like ugh <laughs> i don't I can't handle any more of this right now. <laughs> Luckily, on is it Wednesday and Thursday <laughs> the, on television? Uh, was it was it on USA or whatever the network? Right? Mm-hmm. They did like a marathon of the first two seasons of Psych. Hey, oh, that's such a funny show! <laughs> and I watched the heck out of that because I loved that show when it was on. <laughs> so. <laughs> should make you feel better that was their thing they did like a live kind of watch along with the two main guys from their houses they were like skyping hmm. right and like talking about stuff so it was kind of cool yeah. but that show is hilarious did you like that there too so they're gonna do that again this week someday so i'm gonna watch some more of that because man that show's awesome <laughs> <laughs> and Shayna had never seen it so we made her watch that and she liked it so that's good because that show is hilarious <laughs> so I needed some something funny after all these downtrodden things I was watching. I, was like, oh, I gotta watch something to watch. It's upbeat and not depressing. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure many of those shows of like doom and gloom and global problems were just. Those probably aren't getting too many hits these days. Yeah, oh, like, oh, dang it. That's not, <laughs> that's not what anybody wants to watch. And we just released our multi-million dollar blockbuster about a global pen. No, crap. I mean, the remake of Resident Evil 3 just came out. So, yeah. 
That's not good timing. (laughs) 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 Whoopsie. Nobody really wants to play that with the news that's going going on. Yeah. Like, oh, a global virus is spreading super fast through Raccoon City. And they, oh, wait. (laughs) Just turn this off. Yeah, anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Back to the drawing board, boys. (laughs) Oh, Oh, the other news that I wanted to mention. This actually happened last week, and I forgot to bring it up. Uh, Did you read about... The Van Gogh painting that got stolen in Amsterdam. Yes. Oh my yeah, god. <laughs> that was amazing. All right. Yes. So like oh they stole somebody again. <clears throat> they stole a Van Gogh. I can't remember what it's called. It's like the the walk at the parsonage or something. I don't remember. It's like this huge two foot long Van Gogh painting. Yeah, Parsonage Garden. It, yeah. Parsons Garden. There we yeah. go. I knew Parsonage was in there. Uh <laughs> they stole it. Somebody stole it from the museum last week because the, the the country's on lockdown and no one's in the museum and somehow they broke in and stole this thing uh, so yeah. i <laughs> talk about opportunistic that was amazing so, first of all i just want to like art theft is a thing that to me is just very odd in general right because somehow it's taken on this like mystique of like crime right like it's just such a weird thing to steal and be obsessed with is like art theft because there's all these stories about just like really bizarre unsolved art thefts that are crazy right and one of them from last year uh actually there was some more paintings that were stolen from me i don't remember where this museum was they had stolen them several years ago and they actually found them in some random side room like of the museum like they had been stolen and then like taken out and then like put in this like weird like shed thing that's like outside or something weird like that like hidden like at the museum it was a very bizarre so, like, just art theft in general is just so weird. Well, and part of it, too, is, um, so you steal this Van Gogh painting. It's pretty, uh, I don't know, a lot of people are going to notice. Yeah. What, what do you do with that? Well, that was my next, yeah. That's the other thing that's kind of just the fascinating element it. of this is, like, what do you do with it? <laughs> like, what, how do you, like, if you're a person that's stolen an art painting or a a very small number of these are actually stolen on commission, right? There is a small number of paintings that are like, somebody pays you, Hey, I need you to steal this for me. Right. That's very, that's not very common. The rest of the other one though is like, Oh, somebody steal it. They sell it on the black market and then somebody buys it. That whole chain of events is very mind boggling. Like how does that, how, like you're right like you steal it you've got to sell it somewhere and then the person that buys it what the heck do you do with it like you can't like show people right like yeah you can't be like oh yeah here's my 
I mean, <laughs> my prince, <laughs> yeah, right? Like, what do you a, yeah. So this is this thing. Oh yeah, this is just a picture, photo. It's, a, it's fake. It's of course it is. Do you want to buy it? I mean, if you want to buy it, how about a couple million? Yeah, right? It's like, so I, I don't weird. Know how you have that conversation. <laughs> it's so odd. Yeah. Like, like I'm not even sure. There's, I mean, people that are stealing art probably know more about how to sell it than I do. Obviously, sure. Like, I was reading a thing earlier today that they're pretty sure that painting is actually still in the Netherlands because. Right, the whole country's locked down, so right. it can't like leave yet. Yeah, so they, they, yeah, they were like, like aha, and now we'll get a. Oh no, everything is shut down. Yeah. Oh no. Mm. Well, but, I mean, they're not. They're probably not afraid to sit on it for a long time. But like, sure. But again, if you if you are going to be gutsy enough to to go up and steal a multi million dollar painting, and a I'm, huge painting, like a this is a painting. two foot painting, not like some of those little sketches that get stolen sometimes. Right, like, it's long, teeny tiny. Yeah. I'm I'm assuming that I'm going to hope that you have at least a couple plans in place. Like you don't just stop at plan A of like we smash and grab and we run. It's like okay, but what then? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean that also has happened. But, but I yes. mean, there's that famous one. What was it in Boston where they just like came in in the morning and there's like seven paintings gone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like there's just this whole history of like really bizarre unsolved art theft right and it's just a weird it's just a really weird thing and i don't know like (laughs) i was also reading that one of the guys was like uh the investigator guys was like yeah uh i'm pretty sure that a lot of these things that we don't know where they are are actually in russia somewhere right like these big russian you know billionaire businessmen have them in a house oh sure somewhere but they're just like yeah no not you know like <laughs> really flipping about the whole thing like oh yeah well you can't do anything about it because i'm a russian billionaire <laughs> yeah, i'm an <laughs> like, oligarch what uh, are you gonna do it, yeah right like uh, sure let's but start it's up. still like that's the other thing like some of them it sounded like he knows exactly where they are they just can't do anything <laughs> about it <laughs> i'm like, gonna say that for the kind of people who maybe commission these to be stolen or buy them you know like that like they're probably not very tight-lipped about several about these kind of things, and it's gonna no. get out, right? Like, <laughs> it that 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 world, I'm sure, is very small as far as not just who would be able to pull a job like that, but also who would be willing to buy something like that. Like, I'm yeah, sure those are written down right. on a on a very small notepad in someone's office. <laughs> yes, because <laughs> that's been the plot of several books that I've read over the years right like weird like spy thrillers like the art theft is shown up in there every once in a while and it's always just like under really weird these are very odd people right like first of all that like you would steal it like i don't i mean i like paintings right i like you know paintings as much as the next guy i guess but like I don't really get what makes like a Monet worth all the trouble and money to steal it. Right? Like these are things that like the thought process just kind of baffles me sometimes. Like, I mean, yeah, it's cool, I guess. 
like historically I get the importance, right? There's these handful of artists that are like very important culturally and historically, right? But like stealing? Like, I don't know. That's <laughs> also this is a Van Gogh painting, the one that was just sold that I've never heard of before. And I've seen lots of Van Gogh paintings. Uh, This was the one I've never heard of. It's very, it appears to be not in a style that you would necessarily just associate with Van Gogh, Mm -hmm. right? Like the post-impressionism world that he's famous for. This one looks very not that. So I don't know why you'd want that particular Van Gogh painting. anyway. So Who's going to miss it? Would it be classified as a Van Gogh? Uh, how do i mute you Caesar would be so proud that's another big so at the um at the wooler rock museum there's all these like you know western and cultural and historical items there but they also have these like historical paintings and there's just some of them that are just insanely massive like you know you know those murals and then there's just like these gigantic paintings that someone just like commissioned and you know drew and just like why would you want something that big and then i was sitting there thinking because you know watching oceans 11 so many times i was like i don't do that and i was just like that is so huge and i wouldn't i wouldn't know what that would be worth like i would have i have no taste or no kind of style for something like yeah be like i mean probably research like, yeah you know. of some sort just google it google well it. that's they did say that this one that was stolen the parsage one has never been appraised oh. so they don't really know what the value be. they just kind of had to estimate it on other works by van gogh that have actually sold at auction hmm. right but again this one is very not i mean i didn't look at it super closely but it does not appear to me to just jump out and say oh this is a van gogh style like post-impressionism painting. And it's also huge. And apparently it's not on canvas. It's like attached to a board. So you can't like, like you're talking about the size is kind of important because it's like a huge board. So like (laughs) a lot of times you're right. A lot of the ones that do get stolen are smaller, Mm -hmm. right? A lot of the, like they're like sketches by Picasso have been stolen because they're little or, other canvas works have been stolen that are kind of small. Like you don't often get these massive paintings that are get stolen, you know, that kind of keeps them a little safer. Like Rembrandt has some paintings that are enormous, like, mm-hmm. <clears throat> like that night watch or night guard or whatever. That thing is humongous. Probably not getting stolen anytime soon, mm-hmm. but who knows? Uh, but yeah, that's another thing. Like, how do you do, you know, but you kind of got to go for the small thing. And uh, weirdly, even though this is like a, a crime that's been happening for hundreds of years, it seems like, uh, museum security, notoriously not great, right? Like, <laughs> I've read a lot of stuff the last couple weeks about museum security that's just awful. Like, people just walked out of with stuff like in the middle of the day, just gone. Just walk in and they they take it because the security is just so bad. Wow. But it's very, very weird. 
Well, there you go. Maybe you know if, if something doesn't pan out. Maybe that's the the next. We're not advocating art theft. We are not doing that. Speaking of outdated security, yep. Uh, also, I was reading that a lot of states are having trouble in the current uh, global climate, like processing things, uh, because their computer systems are actually running on. No, I don't want to know this. Nope. nope. They're running on code that was written like in the early eighties. Right. (laughs) They're all apparently your state most likely has their computers functioning on a language that is not taught anymore, even. Right? It's all it's all in like COBOL. I don't know what that is, but that just sounds terrible. (laughs) It's like I don't it's like computer business oriented language, I think is what it stands for. But it's like no. It's a super old programming language that was actually developed in the late 50s. Yeah. And they stopped teaching it in business school in like the early 80s because it was no longer useful. And no. <laughs> apparently a lot Sick. of states, a lot of states program networks are actually written in that language. And so they they're having problems because they need to either redo stuff in the system and they don't have anybody that knows how to code in that language (laughs) (laughs) because it's so old and not used anymore. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah. When yeah. That seems seems about right. Because like there's there's sometimes why would you bother? There's sometimes in training where we're talking about because we have to use a certain kind of database for you know all of the archives and histories. And, you know, we ask people, and they're like, oh, so when was this developed? And they're like, eh, it was about the 90s when we came up with this. I'm like, and have you decided to change it? And they're like, no, because the person that coded it is retired and is, like, deceased. And so we don't know what to do. And I'm like, oh. yeah, but At least it's probably written in a programming language that's usable. <laughs> not, <laughs> not one that was developed in the late 50s when computers were the size of my apartment. And <laughs> yeah, no, sorry. I just, I just, I just, uh, I just found that article, and yeah, they're saying for all those mainframes, and basically the mainframe, just the underlying support structure of everything. Over sixty-four percent of organizations that were polled said that the majority of their mission, mission critical workloads, were done in COBOL. Yes. Jeez. Yes. They go. Which. So which, which, I don't know why why you 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 have that on your mainframe infrastructure, and then you just pile all your other stuff on top of it. Well, because it worked, right? It worked for their uh, load. Who no? It worked. You know, I'm sure they were like, "Oh, sure, we can scale this two, three times, but we'll never get there." And it scaled a yeah, hundred times over the course of four days, and they were like, "Oh no, never mind." <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh! Yeah, it, back in 2017, here's from some uh, some reports. I'm just now reading this for the first time. There are over you're welcome. There are almost 300 billion lines of code used in 43 percent of banking systems. Yes, 95 <gasps> percent of ATMs. Yes, for with a 60 year old technology. Oh yes. My. 
No. Yes. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So sure, all that banking fine. software. So so just I don't know why. Like <clears throat> I don't understand. Like I live in a town that has like a gigantic banking software firm in it. Uh-huh. Right. I want to ask somebody that works there. Is this what you guys use? Get them. Why get you, them on the show. Why okay. you do this? Interview. One of my neighbors. Works. Interview. I, don't know. I have Interview. a bunch of brand neighbors here. Like, what do you? You write that? I see one of Susan's friends works there. Actually, I should ask. Hey, hey, <laughs> talk to me in your coding department. Is this what you're using? Like, what the heck? Like, I mean, I, you would think they might have to because they're if they're sending it out to these banks and that's what their mainframes are using. Like, what, what, what? <laughs> Well, it's kind of like I don't know. Like at some point, it's you go. Yeah, what is the cost to upgrade this or to transition to a new, to untangle this web that we've put together, and and uh, and and make it into something new and modern that we can still scale and and be flexible? Like, what is that cost in both? downtime for the company and in just financial dollars versus the eh, it still works so let's just keep going yeah right like i i I would not want to be in charge of that decision or that person the the it department right now going (laughs) right like oh no that's i mean there's a a few years ago i was reading that several like military installations in the united states run their code off of five inch Flop. floppy disks oh yeah yeah yeah. The most like the, a lot of the, and it's um, like the nuclear missile programs yes yes 100 <laughs> i was actually just getting ready to bring that up of that it this they they it was they didn't want to touch it for so long and they because now how do you develop those kind of software that kind of software yeah in an age of internet connectivity and everything like like it's true how would you even go about doing that <laughs> Yeah. So on the one hand, that's weird to think about. It kind of, it kind of is like, you know, George R. R. Martin's computer, right? He he works on that old IBM. So, so no, it's not can... connected. That's not connected to the internet at all, mm-hmm. right? Its system is all self-contained because it's so old, uh, because he doesn't want anything happen to it. So like, it's kind of like that, right? Like, well, it's kind of working. Uh, we don't want it to be online because that would be bad right it it needs to be like a self-contained system with no internet access please do not put nuclear silos on internet access computers that'd be a terrible idea mm-hmm. uh, <clears throat> well if, even just even just in the in de- trying to develop that code without it leaking out or being stolen yeah. at this point of you know, like just ugh, that yeah. would not be yeah, <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Floppies and uh, nuclear missiles. <laughs> Here we go. My goodness. Good old five-inch floppy disk. Yeah. Mm. Well, I, I was going to bring up when you're talking about uh, art theft, uh, an article that I had read recently. I don't know if you heard of the uh, the King of Manuscripts. Um, it's a, a French uh, historical rare book collector. That what no. he would do is this is very French. He would buy real documents at reasonable prices on auctions around the globe then he would have them have an insurance appraisal that he would pay off to have the the price inflated 
So he'd have this insurance policy for $1.2 million. He would then break that out into like 20 pieces uh, and say, you can buy a portion of and own a portion of this book. And he would sell those off and uh, for these really astronomical prices. And basically it became a giant Ponzi scheme. I was going to say, this sounds like a Ponzi scheme. (laughs) It was. It was. Yeah. They nicknamed him the Madoff of France. Oh no. Yeah. Because he built at one point in time, he owned over 5% of the, he, he himself owned over 5% of the globe's rare books and letters. And they were like, yeah, they were like, you know, Isaac Newton stuff or, um, Oh my God. Uh, John F. Kennedy stuff or Fidel Castro or all of this stuff, these manuscripts, he would buy, artificially inflate the price, and then sell off portions of the insurance claims to them to people to further raise the price. And he just. <laughs> it's definitely a Ponzi scheme. Oh, yeah. No, it was really cool. But I was just like, it, could there be, like, there's not, there are, there are a few things more French than someone going, aha, I will. <laughs> use this using not stolen goods bought and paid for with real money but then to turn this lust and love for the rare and the old into a ponzi scheme <laughs> like what that's so bizarre yeah very French. yeah but some of the stuff that he was buying were really rare and rare to the point of just obscure that nobody knew how to value so one of the things that he had and this is this That's is the real. rare book market for you. Was, There's some was, weird stuff out there. Was this is real? It, he had a shopping, a grocery shopping list pinned by Beethoven from 1817. There you go. <laughs> In his collection, I just kind of <laughs> want to know what's on Beethoven's shopping list. I know. I didn't. I want to know. I, I want to know. But it's like, like, so you have that. Did and you, you say this is worth this is worth three million dollars. Who? Who's going to say no? <laughs> that's never I mean, that's gone to true. market before. <laughs> I mean, because it's only one of them, right? Yeah. I, bet, it's I mean, historically, you would think a shopping list, not super rare. or I mean, rare, not super valuable, though, because, like, again, this is all the how much things are worth, how much you're willing to pay for it, right? That's, <clears throat> But, like, that doesn't seem like it would be worth a lot of money. Whereas, like, the all the handwritten copies of his symphonies would be, you know, where the money's at, right? Like, but what it would mean is that if you have some insurance people that are on your books, you know, they may value it higher. But that's you know that may just be it may be confusing to people. They, may, they might not look into it too much. That's to, true. To to that's go, true. Oh, hmm. And then if you do have some of those big ones, some big symphonies, you know, you go, oh, well, this collection is pretty awesome. So, okay, that yeah, makes sense. Because right? now so, it's a collection. That's yeah, true. Yeah. So he's he he was arrested, and he's. You know. I just want to know what's on Beethoven's shopping list. Right. I want to know what he's buying. Right. I don't know. Did Beethoven? I mean, he probably buys those groceries, right? He probably was going shopping. I want to know what he bought. To look into this. <laughs> This reminds me of my favorite rare manuscript. I know we all have, but uh, have you ever, have you ever read about the Voynich manuscript? Didn't we talk about no. this, Brandon? You and I. Did we? Maybe you and I did. Hmm. I don't know. Yep. It's come up before. I'm very fascinated by this thing. So it's possible that we have. Voynich. Because, because I think I even looked it up on Amazon. Of like, like the copy thing of it. That we're thinking of. Because I definitely have 
Well, I actually ordered a copy, um, the English translation version, however, of the uh, Prosetta, the Icelandic uh, Norse sagas. Um, that was my, you know, document that I've always been fascinated with or slash want. So it's ordered on Amazon. It's on its way. Um, but that that word sounds familiar. Explain, Brendan. Hello. Brandon. Brandon, no! Brandon left. What? Aaron, that was the Nor- what was that? The Norzetta? Me? Yeah, what was your book? So mine was it's what's called the Pro the, the Prosetta. So it's it's kind of what we use as the from my understanding, the you know, all of the understanding of Norse mythology, Norse stories. Um so it was written originally in the original Nordic language because Iceland was pretty much just kind of left on its own for you know several hundreds of years. And so the prose edda was written a few thousand years after kind of like the Vikings and things like that. So it's kind of like the only real recorded history of the Vikings. And so it has it has the the sagas or the stories from the um from all of that stuff. So that's, that's kind of the, the document that I, you know, been fascinated with. And I found an English version of it because the only other copies are written in, you know, Nordic or in, in Icelandic, which is some of the closest, uh, language to, you know, ancient Norse. Hmm. Okay. That's yeah. all. Co- that's awesome. I've never heard of that. Yeah. I'm adding it to our show notes. So yeah, I have I have a copy from Amazon on its way, so I'm excited. Yeah. I think we lost Brandon. I think we lost Brandon. Oh no. Um Brandon. Brandon, come back. So do you want to keep talking or do you want to just wait till Brandon comes back or uh I think well, I mean, a little late. Yeah. Um, um, Maybe we we'll just pick up for for next time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Hold on. Holding on. Not going anywhere. Yeah, he's saying it, it dropped. Yeah. That's you, bizarre. I got that text. Well, that's what sometimes happened with with you guys. Like sometimes, like I would just be sitting there and I would just hear like a pop. And like I would get nothing, and so hmm. either either it kicked me out that few times, or it kicked like everybody out because there there are several times where I was like, oh man, I love listening, and then it'd just be absolutely nothing. 